Favorite time of year. Um, I got today's theme is uh, the greatest plan of all time. And I'm going to geek out a little bit because I'm going to go a little science on you guys being a physicist. This is like, you know, what I get cool at. Um, it's actually not the greatest plan of all time. It's the greatest plan before time even existed. Um, now we know Sir Isaac Newton, right? He, uh, he came up with this thing called gravity, right? He identified gravity. Apple fell on his head, we're told. And in his time, people believed that time was forever. Time is forever past. Time is forever future. And it wasn't until Einstein came on the scene where he developed this law of like special relativity and he identified cosmic radiation in the, in the background of the universe and realized that, wait a minute, time is actually woven into space itself. So it's actually got a beginning because it's part of, it's actually a created thing, part of our universe. Time has beginning. And now for us as humans, it's very difficult for us to like wrap our minds around that. We're very finite brains. Um, an astrophysicist, again, physicist person, stuff geeks me out, right? Um, Hugh Ross says this basically, that we humans with finite brains, we have a hard time thinking back in the past, like far back. Like, can you comprehend before your birth, like what the world was like? Can you comprehend before your grandparents' birth was like? Can you comprehend before human beings were around? Can you think before the world was created, like what, what's back there? Like, I, I, my brain hurts when I start to think about how far back I can go. We can't get there. But I do know that there was someone who was around before time even started. We know in Genesis chapter 1, right, that in the beginning, the beginning of everything, God, God existed. See, time itself, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created the universe and everything that's in it. He created time then too. See, we are bound to this linear motion of time. We can only go forward. One, one second moving. Can't go back because we can't change in the past. But see, God doesn't exist in our realm. We're stuck in this thing of time. God's not. God is outside of time, looking at the entire scope of everything all at once. See, God is right now at my birth. God is right now here with me. And God is also right now at my death, all at the same time. How he does it, I don't know. It, it really blows my mind. But God sees it all. He sees it all. And in Genesis 1, we see that God made this universe... And then he speaks light into existence. Uh, I, that would have been like, light's one of the coolest things out there. It travels 300 million meters per second. Like, it's super fast and super awesome, super powerful. Like, that flew out of his mouth. Blows my mind. I wish I, I, wish I could see that. Um, then he spoke the earth, and he spoke all the other things into existence. And on the sixth day, he created man. And God said, man, that, that's good. That's very good. And he is happy with the creation that he made. Something that he and the, the, the triune God designed, that there would be man formed in his image, that we'd have a relationship with them, that we could walk and talk in the cool of the day every day. Like That was God's like ultimate plan. God's desire to make these 
beings that he could converse with, that he could have a relationship with, who would willingly love him. And then chapter 3 happens. And, and, and man sins. Right? Man disobeys God. And uh, I wonder what it was like up in heaven when that moment happened. Was it like, oops. Oh, shoot. Oh, man. We're in trouble now. Like, did, did God, did God had have like that discussion going, did, oh, we didn't, we didn't see that coming. Oh my, that's bad. I, I know this one time when I was a kid, I was 15, and my buddy Nate and I, uh, up at Parkside, ice. Uh, my buddy Nate and I, <laughs> we had the gymnasium up at camp, and we were always passionate about playing sports there, so we decided to, the concrete floor, repaint the floor. And we would do this every couple of years. Well, this being our first time painting the floor, we're actually allowed to paint it on our own with no adult supervision. Right? We're laying out the lines on the ground, and we go to the entrance, and we start painting, start painting, start painting, start painting. You know, halfway through the day, we're still painting. And now we're racing each other because we just got half the court, racing each other so we can get the court done fastest. I get to the very end and realize that I'm in the back corner. And I... Oh, shoot. I painted myself into the corner of the basketball court. Now, it's not like your house where you could, like, <laughs> and get out, right? I'm, I'm at the basketball. i got to walk all the way across all this freshly painted paint to get out. I, I literally painted myself in a corner. That was a smooth, right, smooth move, Xbox, right? And I was just one of those oh, stupid person, you know? How am I going to tell my dad this one? <laughs> um, did God paint himself into a corner? Did... did was God like, oh man, I just, this is bad. What are we ever going to do now? You know, I don't think that happened. I don't think that's how it went. Because God would not be God if he didn't know all things. All right, if there were things that God didn't know, he wouldn't really be God then. He'd really be just like us. See, God... Is all knowing. He knows everything. So was the day that Adam and Eve fell a surprise to him? I don't think so. I think he actually knew that all along. And what blows my mind is he still decided to make Adam and Eve. Is that knowing that they were going to screw up and rebel against him, he still willingly chose to create them. There must be something special there. There must be some serious love. <clears throat> Turn with me to uh, Titus, chapter 1. I got a lot of references today that we're going to look at. So uh, some will be up on the board. Some will will be turning to ourselves. Uh, My purpose this morning is to, one, share with you through Scripture how God was not surprised at the fall of man. And actually, before he even designed and built the world, before he even spoke into existence, he already had a plan in place to fix the problem. And then we're going to look at, why would God ever do that? Knowing that there's going to be a problem, 
knowing that man's going to rebel, why would you still do it, God? And then from there, maybe just draw some life application for us. Hopefully that's the plan. See if we get through it all today, all right? So Titus chapter 1, we're just going to read the first three verses. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, a faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. And at his appointed season, he brought his word to light through the preaching that he entrusted to me by the command of God our Savior. Did you, did you guys get that? That the hope that we have in eternal life did not start when Jesus Christ died. The hope that we have in eternal life started in eternity past. Before time began, God who does not lie made a promise to himself. God made a promise to himself before he even spoke the world into existence that I am going to provide eternal life. And this is something that people can bank their hope on. That blows my mind. I, I, I'm just, I, I'm in awe on that. It, it, it's amazing. So, uh, 2 Timothy, you don't have to go there. You can pop up on the screen. Thanks, Josh. Josh and I practiced this a lot before we came here. I just completely lost my spot. 2 Timothy chapter 1 says this. He saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. It has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Our very existence here on this planet, your very breath, is a gift from God. Have any of you done anything to deserve the blessings in your life? Have you done anything to even deserve life at all? Nothing. Every moment you live on this earth, is a gift from God. Unmerited favor. We've done nothing for it. And and it's amazing to think that God, in eternity past, planned to give that grace to us through the offering of His Son. He chose to give his son to us as a gift before the world began. It's not like God came to chapter 3 in the Bible and went, oh man, Adam and Eve screwed up. Shoot, alright, let's have a little huddle here. Huddle up, guys. Um, Holy Spirit, Son, and, and Father, what are we going to do? Got to come up with a plan now. And it, the hashtag EC. Oh, you know what? This one sounds really good here. How about Jesus? You go die for them, and then we'll do this to cover the blood, and and it's gonna be it's gonna be good like that. We'll, we'll fix it this way. No, before he even before the problem even happened, God had already decided to do this. And who will go for me? 
Whom shall I send? Jesus says, I'll go. Before he even made the world, Jesus decided to go on our behalf. I'll go to that planet. I'll be born as a baby. I will live amongst the humans. I will let them torture me. I will let them beat me. I will let them hang me on a cross. Why? Because I love them. And I haven't even made them yet. I love things after I make them. After I make something, not that I made my kids, but after I made my kids, I look at them and go, yeah, I love them. You know, after I build something in my house and I look back at it and go, and I'm happy with it, if I make something I'm not happy with it, I throw it out, right? But if I make something I look at it and I'm happy with it, I'm like, yeah, I like that. I've already done the work. I've already invested the time in it. I like that. Before God even invested an ounce of energy into our planet, into making you, he already loved you. That's completely different than us. If my plans are not your plans, my ways are not your ways. Second Corinthians, uh, sorry, First Corinthians chapter 2. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature. Not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. God kept it hidden in a mystery to the world that he was going to send his son. Throughout scripture, right, he gave little snippets, little pieces, little foreshadowing, little tidbits of, hey guys, something, something cool is going to happen. I'm not going to tell you everything, but I'll give you some prophecies. I'll give you some, here's some puzzle pieces. And it's all leading up to the birth of his son. And we see that all the way from chapter 3 in the Bible. That God was going to do something. And he knew that and he planned it out in eternity past. First Peter, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish, without defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in his last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. He was chosen before the creation of the world. Again, Amazing. Jesus Christ was picked with a purpose to die for us. To be born, to have the entire Godhead, all the fullness of the Godhead, dwell in a baby. To live amongst us and to die for us. You can go ahead and you can read through... um, John chapter 1, it's a great summary. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus Christ, being the Word, existed with God in forever and past, and we read down that eventually the Word became flesh, and the Word dwelt among us. Jesus Christ came in the flesh, He left His splendor in heaven, He left His majesty, He left His throne, and all the fullness of God, all the power of God, all the knowing of God, everything that is God 
put into human form. And he walked and he talked amongst us. And he was the light of men. And in him was life. But the world, seeing him, the world being dark, the world rejected him. You know what the crazy thing is? Who made this universe? Who is the part of the Trinity that actually spoke this universe into existence? It wasn't God the Father. It wasn't God the Father. How do we know it wasn't God the Father? Where in Scripture can we go to find out who actually made the universe? Who actually made you? Which part of the Trinity? You can go to Colossians. Colossians says, doesn't say Jesus Christ. Um, I know I just better read it because I'm going to screw up the paraphrase. In Colossians, well, even First John, uh, John chapter 1, but Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians... Colossians. He, being Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. See, Jesus Christ was not born did not come into existence the day of his birth. It's not like, hey, we're going to make a new part of God, and, and there he is. No, see, Jesus Christ has existed before all time, and it was him who opened his mouth, and light came flying out. It was Jesus who opened his mouth, and you and I, and breathed, left, breathed life into Adam. It was Jesus Christ who did all that. And he, being the one who actually made us all, was the one himself said, hey, you know what? I'll go die. This really blows my mind. When he was a baby, it says, Jesus Christ, what? Holds all things together. You know, if Jesus ever let go of the universe, what would happen to us? We'll fly apart. Even the cells in your body, we don't understand why our bodies stay together. Like the, the binding agents of everything that, that holds us together, right? We don't understand gravity. We, we don't understand why two masses attract each other. I'll tell you why. Because it's Jesus Christ holding the whole thing together. Jesus Christ is literally holding the universe, holding you and I, binding my molecules together and keeping them that way. If he ever lets go and says, you know what, I, I don't feel like holding on anymore, we're all just, we'll fly apart. The little bees, bees, we'll all just die. The whole universe just flies apart. It just disintegrates. He, when he was a baby, as an infant, is still sitting there holding the world together. I, I just love that little thought. It, it... Why would Jesus, why would the Godhead, what would be the rationale? We didn't do that one yet? What would be the rationale, go to the end, Josh. What would be the rationale for God to still make us? Knowing that we were going to crucify his son. That, knowing that the only way to fix the problem is to crucify his son. Knowing that we would rebel him, we would reject him, that we would curse him to the face. Why would God still make you and I? Because I wouldn't, right? If I were building a treehouse, say, 
And I knew the treehouse was going to collapse with my kids inside of it. I wouldn't make it. I would go, nope, not doing that. Try again. Why would God, knowing that this universe was going to collapse, and it was going to cost his son his life, why would he still do it? Let's look at a couple of reasons. Kind of up there already. I got some verses to go along with that. So first one, to put the display of the glory of the Father. To put on display the glory of the Father. Second um, Corinthians says this, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine into our hearts to give us light of the knowledge of the God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. When Christ came to this earth, he was the exact representation of God. Can you and I look at God the Father? We cannot do that. No human being has ever looked at God the Father in the face. What happens when human beings come into the presence of God? Boom, flat on the floor in front of God. Right? We can't look at him. He's too brilliant, too awesome, too magnificent. We cannot handle his awesomeness. So part of the, the Trinity said this, listen. We want to reveal who we are. I want to reveal myself as God the Father. I want to reveal myself to the world. I want them to be able to see me. They can't see me, but I want to. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to put my exact representation in visible form into a human being, Jesus Christ. So when he's down here on earth, my excellence on display will be in him. So when you look at him, you see the Father. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So one reason why God said, hey, we're still going to make this planet, we're still going to make these humans who will fall, who will rebel, we're going to make them with a purpose that I can reveal myself to them. And it's going to start with a baby. I'm going to reveal myself to them. I'm going to reveal my glory to them, my excellence through a baby. I'm also going to do it because I want to teach something, not to humans, but to angels. See, God not only created the earth, not only created um, us, but there's more out there that we cannot see. The spiritual realm, right? Um, before he made the world, um, he made angels. He made a heaven. A place to dwell. Uh, there's a little bit in scripture about it. But we know that it's there. Uh, angels are a little bit different than us. Uh, angels are actually, well, they're very different to us. Angels live and dwell in God's presence. Do we? Do we wake up every morning and go, oh, hey God, there you are. Um, no. Every day, I don't, there's no day or night there. But every day, angels are in the presence of God. Now, probably every day, I'm assuming the angels go before the Lord, and they get their daily biddings. All right, Lord, what am I going to do today? God gives them the missions, they go off and do it. Angels were around, they witnessed God create the universe. They witnessed Him do all these things. Do angels know everything that God knows? No. But do, they, do angels know who God is? Yeah, 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 they see Him. Yep, there he is. Uh, yep, 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 there he is. Do angels live by faith? Nope. Because what is faith? Faith is believing in what we cannot see, right? 
See, we, we can't see the Father. Well, how do you know He's out there? Well, I have faith. I believe that He's there, even though I cannot see Him. Now, there's tons of evidence that He's there through His Scripture, through His Son. In, in my own life, He has proved Himself to me. But the only way I really know that He's there is that I take it by faith. Angels don't have faith. They're in His presence every single day. They see Him. There is no denying to an angel that God does not exist. They knew it. What happened when the angels came before Jesus? The demons, the fallen angels. What happened when they came before Jesus? Yep, that's the Son of God, all right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, and they acknowledged it. They didn't deny it because they knew who He was. They, they lived with Him. They know who He was. Do angels get a second chance? Nope. They don't. When an angel in heaven says to God, God, hey, he says, do this, and they say, nope, ain't doing that. Well, that's what happened to Lucifer. Lucifer rebelled against God. Do anywhere in Scripture we see that Lucifer gets a second chance? No. See, angels live in the presence of God. They know him. They see him. They know how he functions. They know his goodness. They know his grace. They, they know his power. When they choose to say no and rebel, God says, that's it. Done. You're gone. It's one chance. You're out. There's no second chances for angels. For us, though, as human beings, God does something unique. He gives us another chance. You see, if God treated us like angels, you sin, out of my presence, you're going to hell right now. That's what he's going to do with angels. The demons who have fallen. That's it, you're done, there's hell for you. There is no second chance, there is no redemption plan for them, there is no uh, forgiveness of their trespasses, at least not recorded in Scripture, but for human beings... God says, I'm going to put forth a plan to redeem you, to save you, to show my grace to you, to show you love that's unmerited. And angels go, what? What? That's, 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 that's weird, Lord. Because angels don't have grace. They don't get unmerited favor necessarily like we do. They don't understand that mercy that we get. So God is teaching a little bit about who he is, to the angels in the way that he reacts with us. God, you would give your son to be born as a baby for these people down here? What? Why, why would you do that, Lord? I, I don't understand that. And God saying to the angels, look, I want to teach you about who I am. I want to teach you about how I can show mercy to people who don't deserve it. I want to teach you about how I love people even though they don't love me in return. God is going to put his riches and kindness on display for the world to see. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7. And God raised us up with Christ and has seated us in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show his incomparable riches of his grace expressed in the kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And it is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, 
which God prepared in advance for us to do. He has seated us in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. There's a time coming, guys. This is kind of cool. There's a time coming where you and I will be put on a pedestal, God's trophy room, for everybody who is else that's not a human, maybe even humans, but everyone else for angels, all the heavenly beings, to look at, and God's going to say, you see that? That's my trophy. That is me, my excellence, on display, how I show kindness, how I show mercy. I, we put on display the trophies that I win at Awana, all the cars that I built, you know, that, that win first place. Like, look at the handiwork of me. My kids' cars are fast. I know some people have more than me. All right, a lot more than me. But that's my kids' cars. They're fast. I built those cars. Yeah, that's, that's me. Or I won the baseball trophies. How great a work I can do. I am God's handy, sorry, handiwork. And he's going to put me on display one day and say, look at Brian. There is nothing good in him. He is worthless, miserable. Yeah, but look what I did for him. I spared his life. I forgave his sins. I put my son on the cross. I put him in a, new, in a manger for him. That's my kindness. That is my excellence, my kindness, my mercy on display. He's going to do that to all his Christians. He's going to show us off. We're his trophies. That's what Jesus Christ gets as a gift, as a reward. That's pretty awesome. We also know, and this is the part that we take very personal, right? That we, because of Jesus Christ being born, because of the plan that they put in place, we have the opportunity to be forgiven of our sins. That we can be rescued from the dominion of darkness. We were on our way to hell. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are on your way to hell. When you die, you will go to hell. And I, there's, no easy, there's no way to sugarcoat that. It is. It is what it is. You will die, you will be separated from God forever, and you'll be tormented in hell for the rest of your life. Forever. There's no rest of your life. It is forever. Why did God save us? Why did, sorry, why did God send His Son? Why did He put this plan in place in forever past? Acts chapter 26, verse 18. Uh, God's talk, you know, Paul is talking here. He says, I am sending you, Paul, to the Gentiles to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. See, right now Satan has rule over this universe. He has rule over this earth. And those who don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, you're under Satan's, under Satan's control. And he is going to drag you to hell with him. Jesus Christ came with a plan to release you from that bondage. To forgive you of the things you've done wrong. Not only the things you've done in the past, but also the things that you've done in the future. That's amazing. That God is already willing to forgive you of the things you will do wrong. God sent His Son. He made this plan in forever past with the purpose to show off to the universe 
how he can forgive, how he can correct a big problem. You want to see my wisdom? You want to see how knowledgeable I am? That nothing can trap me to a corner? Here, we're going to take the greatest problem that could exist, and I'm going to fix it. Yes, it's going to cost me my son, but it's worth it. They're worth it. You're worth it. And the greatest one of all, Jesus Christ came with a plan to destroy death and to bring life. 2 Timothy chapter 1. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. We already read that part. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. A grave, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? The moment that Jesus Christ came to this earth as a baby marked the initiation of God's plan. I'm going to see this thing through, and here it is. I'm starting it right now. Boom. I made this plan a forever past. I waited for the appointed time in earth's time. I sent my son, and now I have come with the mission, and I will destroy death. Never again will Satan or evil or death reign because my people will be set free. I'm going to heaven. I don't know about you. I know about some of you in the room. I'm going to heaven. Why? Because a baby came and lived for 33 years on this planet. Because that baby died for me. That baby rose from the grave. And because I believe that that baby was the Son of God. And I believe that that baby was perfect. And that baby atoned in his death for my sins. Paid the price for me. And I believe that that baby was predestined from the beginning of time to do that. And that's why I'm going to heaven. Are you going to heaven because you believe that? I know I am. I really pray that you come to the understanding and realization that God loves you so much that He made you knowing that you'd sin, knowing that He had to send His Son. And all you have to do is put your faith, what you cannot see, your trust in what you cannot see in Him. Put your faith in Jesus Christ and you too will be forgiven your sins, you'll be given eternal life, You'll be given an inheritance in heaven. You'll be given a hope and a joy that's incomparable, that, that it, it, incomprehensible. We don't understand it. We just know that we have it. That can be for you too. And for those of you who have that, that's why we love Christmas. Because it reminds us of the plan that God put forth in place, and, and it happened. God actually followed through. He always does. But He actually did it did it. And I'm just amazed by that. And I'm really grateful. I'm going to close our time in prayer. And I really hope you guys have a great Christmas. And I hope that you're grateful, truly grateful to God, that in eternity past, before the world was even created, He had already determined to send His Son to be born as a baby and then to die for us. Lord God, we give you thanks that you sent your Son 
to free us from our sin, to save us from going to hell. Lord, how amazing is your love towards us. All I can do is simply give you thanks. Because there's nothing in this life that I could say, nothing in this life that I could do to ever really say thank you. Because I can't give you anything in return of enough value to pay you back for what you've done for me. I don't deserve, we don't deserve anything. Yet you give it to us simply because you, in itself, you are the definition of love. You are the definition of mercy and grace. And so, Lord, in this time right now, we give you thanks for your Son, who willingly came to this earth to be born as a baby, with the sole purpose to seek and to save the lost. I thank you that he died for me. I thank you that he rose again, and that he lives forever in heaven. And that one day, those of us who believe in him will see him face to face. We will see you face to face forever. Lord, we give you thanks for that. In your son's name we pray. Amen.